Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Well, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this in our, our final talk in this series, Christ and Questions. This week... Uh, Amazon delivered our boys uh, a new pair of Chelsea football socks. But as they came out of the delivery box, oh no, calamity. You know those plastic tags that they put on clothes in the shops uh, that you have to have the clever machine at the till thing to take the tag off? Well, the seller had not removed it. Beautiful pair of white Chelsea socks you know how it is, like when, when, when you're eight, you only have one pair of socks and you have to wear that pair of socks, right? So this is like a pretty emergency kind of situation. Completely unusable. How to resolve this? Pay the postage to send them back? Not a chance. Uh, hammer, hacksaw, teeth. And then I remembered my Dremel. Anyone here got a Dremel? Yes, very good. I remember my Dremel. I'm never very effective at practical things. I do relish the opportunity of a bit of Dremeling. So I got to work. I put my sunglasses on. Better to see a bit less and still retain both eyes. And uh, the Dremel is a, great, is a great piece of kit, but it's not a fast piece of kit. Well, it spins fast. It doesn't kind of cut very fast. So as I was spraying pieces of plastic around the room and the heady smell of hot hydrocarbons began to pierce my nose. And as I got slightly slower to closer to slicing both the sock and my fingers, I had some time to philosophize and think about what I was doing at the time. I mean, fundamentally, was it right? Power is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Sometimes it can be used for great good. It can get you out of a fix, like for the time someone delivers a pair of Chelsea socks to your house with the tag still attached to them, and tomorrow your son needs those Chelsea socks. But if you don't use it right, if you're not careful with it, if you're not considered, it can be used for incredible evil and destruction. And here's the thing, with power... That process could happen terrifyingly easily, as easily as the spinning 10,000 RPM Dremel right next to my little finger. Tonight is the last in our series on Christ and questions. We're asking this question, what happens when leaders fall? What about when those people who of all people should uphold and exemplify the message of Christ What happens when they use their own position and their power for their own gain and for the harm of those around them? Now, I scarcely need to remind you that this is a live question. 
In our day, if you look at the Christian celebrity news, there's a queue of people in the public eye who, from a position of huge power, have brought scandal on the name of Christ because of the way that they have treated those they're supposed to care for. And I myself had had to wrestle with this in my work uh, as a pastor. Thank you. We can, we're, we're done with the Dremel. I, uh, in, my, in my previous role, particularly in the last three years, um, uh, I had to help lead that church through some devastating revelations of abuses by the former vicar. And um, there had been a number of particularly unpleasant and scandalous elements to his behavior, which he'd kept somehow kind of hidden in plain sight, uh, as it were. But in many ways, the, the really hard thing was the much smaller and yet much more widespread sort of pattern of manipulation and controlling behavior that uh, was much harder for us all to process. What made it particularly difficult for us all was that by any external metric, uh, this minister had been incredibly successful. Uh, The church had grown from 25 people when he first came to 500 when he left. Hundreds, if not thousands of people, had either come to faith or grown massively in faith and were full of gratitude for all the part that he had played in that. There was massive generosity being shown Uh, in in giving to missions and overseas uh, and in the UK. There was extraordinary sacrificial pastoral care that was being given. It felt like a happy, loving community. I could go on for some time. And now with these revelations, everything was blown up in the air. And it wasn't just painful, although it was that. It was also humiliating. We felt duped. How did we not see this under our noses? And for a number of people, their faith was dealt a terrifying, terrible blow. Scandals like that put our faith in question. And I guess it's pretty logical, isn't it? If that respected figure was doing what they were doing, despite the fact that they were saying what they were saying, what else is it about the gospel that they were preaching? What else is it about the God that they talked to us about and that they called us to follow that didn't add up? You know, if if that apple was rotten, who's to say that everything in the barrel of faith wasn't off? And so when leaders fail, it becomes a really, really important question for our own faith. What are we to do about it? How are we to think about it? Well, as we always do, we, we want to come to God's word and see what he has to say about this. And the good thing is that the Bible has plenty to say about this. And we're going to read from uh, the prophet Ezekiel here. I'm going to ask Dion to come up and join me up here. Uh, If you want to find it, it's uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, You also see it on the screen. Um, And um, John, if you come up, and just as you do, let me give a little bit of an intro here. Um, What's going on here is that God is addressing the leaders of Israel at the time of the exile through his prophet Ezekiel. And he's going to lament their abuse of their position. So listen to this lament. You need to understand the shepherds are the leaders of Israel. The sheep are the people of Israel. Okay, Dion. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesize against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesize and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. 
Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered all over the earth and no one searched or looked for them. Thanks so much. So the first thing to say is that God laments when leaders fail. God laments leaders who fall. He laments their self-interest. He says, you eat the curds, but you don't take care of the flock. Self-interest, like in the case, for example, of Ravi Zacharias. You may have heard of him. World-famous evangelist, apologist. He was frequently a keynote speaker at many high-profile Christian gatherings around the world. After his death only a couple of years ago, he was found to have repeatedly sexually harassed therapists and secretly used ministry funds to keep their silence. God laments that kind of behavior. God laments their self-interest. God laments the leader's disregard of the hurting. He says, you've not healed the sick or bound up the injured. It reminds me of the times that the institutional church has hidden from apologizing to survivors of abuse, or and frankly, just refuse even to just be vaguely human and kind because they're hiding behind the lawyers and you know, don't want to say the wrong thing just in case it kind of comes back at them as a legal process. God laments the negligence of leaders in not going after the, after the people who are lost, confused, and disorientated. And these, uh, I find these verses haunting for me, myself. Ezekiel says, you have not brought back the strays. God laments leaders who don't go after those people. And finally, God laments the consequences of it all, that the sheep are scattered. So if you've been in this kind of a situation before, you'll be very familiar. When a leader falls, what so often happens is those who they led scatter. They go all over the place. And they find themselves at an uneasy distance from both from that leader, but also from one another. And so all sorts of other relationships start to break down that might previously have sustained people, and further damage ensues. And to all of this, God laments. Now, it's pretty obvious, but if God laments over fallen leaders, so should we. That means, as far as is possible, honestly and openly, telling the truth about how they or how we have failed. That's part of what we need to do. And actually, sometimes the church's lament can be one of the most powerful things for survivors and for the watching world. People need help as they try painstakingly to sort of recover and separate the portrait of the good God and the gentle God who cares for them as they try and pull that out of the rubble of abuse and misused power. And sometimes the church's lament helps them in that process. Now, I know I'm not the only one in this church to encounter abuse in leadership. Perhaps you're here and you personally, you've known it really close up. I want to say I lament with you. We lament with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you have suffered. I'm sorry for what's been done to you in the name 
of God. It should not have happened. And we want Emmanuel to be a place where survivors are able, if it's appropriate, if it's possible, to find some kind of care and healing amongst us. But actually, much more beyond my own lament, I want to say to you, God laments what has been done. So lament is the first, first response. The second thing is, we must keep watch. Dion, I'm going to ask you to come up again and read on uh, for us from verse 7. So do follow on from Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from, the, from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed, feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Thanks. So I said the second point after we must lament. I said we must keep watch. These verses, verses actually say God keeps watch. Uh, it, it says, uh, verse 10, I am against the shepherds and I will hold them accountable for my flock. You know, ultimately, that I think is the single and greatest comfort that we can really say in the context of fallen leaders is that God notices it. And even if no person calls an abusive leader to account, God will. But if God keeps watch, if he holds us accountable, then we should watch ourselves. We should hold our leaders accountable in the church because every, every leader, even the best, is a sinner with power and therefore capable of a great deal of damage. And actually, so often the failure of leaders is connected to a failure in genuine accountability. And I say genuine accountability because leaders are brilliant at accountability on paper, and that's not the same thing. Genuine accountability means people and systems around a leader whom he or she trusts and who are regularly allowed into the reality of that leader's life, and they can ask them the difficult questions. So uh, here at Emmanuel, we've got uh, a PCC, our uh, parish church council, and um, I'm hugely grateful. I know we all are grateful to all the people who volunteer on that council. They provide some really important checks and balances for us in leadership. Uh, but because accountability is not really realistic on a deep level uh, with an elected group of 25 people, we also have a leadership team that's made up of the two wardens, Pete and Richard, three clergy, John Elliott and me, and then Amanda Baxter and Suja Chaka are also on that team. We meet every fortnight and we work through and discuss some of the most challenging things that are going on in the life of the church. And they're a good group, by the way, to approach if you've got particular concerns uh, for, uh, on anything. Having said all the above, when leaders fail, as well as keeping watch, keeping them accountable, we also need to keep watch over ourselves. And again, that's something I've had to learn. It's actually very easy when a leader fails to get self-righteous. So it's almost revel in the fact that that failure is happening over there. And you know, particularly if you don't like their personality or you don't like their style or you don't like their theology, easy to then start to almost delight in what's going on wrong over there 
and thank the Lord that you know, you're, you're not the same. And actually, we need to keep watch over ourselves. We need to know we too are sinners. We need to know we too are capable of a similar pattern in our own lives. So we need to keep watch. Lament, keep watch. And then finally, trust Christ. Trust Christ. Dion's going to come and read the last little section here from Ezekiel 34. Let me just remind you what's happened so far in this chapter. God has accused uh, the failing shepherds of Israel. He said what they've done wrong. He said he's going to hold them accountable. But now we see something very interesting and surprising about what's going to happen next. So from verse 11 onwards. Still. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As shepherds look after their scattered flocks when they are with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Okay. Non-rhetorical question. Which two words appear in that passage more often than any other two words? I... There we had it, there we had it. I will. I will. The ultimate solution that the Lord proposes for fallen shepherds is himself. I myself will search for my sheep. I will look after them. If they're human shepherds, let them down. If they take advantage of them, if they harm them, if they scatter them, then I, the Lord, will gather them. I will pasture them. I will tend them. And I will have them lie down. And you know, we as Christians, we understand those words in a new way. Because we remember Jesus himself saying, I am the good shepherd. Uh, John, if we could just have that slide up, uh, that last one. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is limitlessly strong, endlessly gentle. He is the shepherd who will never let his people down. And so, you know, I don't know what kind of situation you've faced in your own life. Um, It may be that you've got a really tricky history of struggling with broken and fallen leadership in the church. Well, ultimately, the, the greatest hope, the greatest thing that I can offer you and that the Lord offers you is himself in place of all that. And you know, we can have confidence in the Lord because of the life of Jesus. We've seen that he cares about us because he's come into our world. He's come into our world as a baby. He's shown his care for us in his amazing, inclusive ministry. He's shown his care for us supremely in his death uh, on our behalf at great personal cost. 
So you know, if you suffered under fallen leaders or the trust that you had in them has been shipwrecked and, and with it perhaps your faith as well, then what I would say to you and what the Lord says to you is trust Christ. Trust him. Seek his loving and gentle rule for your life. Open the scriptures and let it jump off the page to you. Seek it in prayer. Lord, show me, show me your kind and gentle heart of a shepherd. And let it eclipse all the mess, all the broken shepherds who have harmed me and the people around me. And I want to say to you, seek that in faith. Because uh, for now, we continue to be in a place where we will meet a mixture of different human shepherds. But one day, we will be supremely with that perfectly loving heavenly shepherd and in his safekeeping forever. And with that, trust Christ. Um, we come to the end of our series. But in many ways, uh, I, I land there deliberately because in a sense, it's, it's the message that I would love to leave with you of all through all the challenges and the, the doubts and the questions, the place to land, if we possibly can, is to come back to Jesus, to bring all of them to him, and to find in him the answer to each one. So perhaps we can just take a moment of quiet. You might want to have Ezekiel chapter 34 open in front of you, and just run your eyes over those verses uh, 11 to uh, 16. Perhaps you just want to consider what the Lord has been teaching you this evening or over these past couple of weeks. And then just in a moment, I'm going to lead us in prayer. So let's just take a moment of quiet. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.